Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Today's guest is a precious sister that I used to do children's ministry with. Her daughter left this earth due to suicide without any indication that she was struggling to that point. Alicia has leaned heavily on God to help her work through the guilt and the shame and the regrets. I know those of you who lost your child to suicide or something like a a drug overdose has an abundance of those things, the shame, guilt, and regret. But let me also say that it doesn't seem to matter how we lost our child. It does seem like we all struggle in those areas to a point, and we can torment ourselves by hanging on to those things, punishing ourselves in a sense, thinking we deserve it. So I know what Alicia has to share will be encouraging to all of you listening. Unfortunately, the campground was pretty noisy the day this was recorded, so you will probably hear quite a bit of background noise that I hope won't be distracting from this message of hope. So here is the talk I had with my friend and fellow minister, Alicia White. Well, Alicia, thank you for joining me today. You and I go back a few years, well before the earthly departure of our two daughters. We were both part of an international children's ministry with Becky Fisher, and that was actually how we met. Boy, I'm saying that might have been 15, 20 years ago. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. When you think about it. So we've just kind of kept in touch here and there over the years. And now our paths have intertwined again in a way that we wish they hadn't. And I like to have my guests start out by sharing their child with us and some of the story of how they found themselves in what some call this unwanted club. So Alicia, would you start out by sharing your daughter Hope with us and what happened? Well, I'd love to share Hope. Her name is Hope Noel White, and she very black hair, long, thick black hair, brown eyes, beautiful from head to toe, beautiful singer, beautiful artist. She loved to paint, um, and she loved her dog, Revy. She had two turtles as well, and um, she was very involved at church. We were very, we still are very involved members of her church. She was heavy in her youth group. She was involved with drama dancing in our youth group, um, involved with the youth choir, and um, had lots of friends um, in that respect, and never um, had any, we had never any inkling that she was a bit depressed or suffered through anxiety. We did know that um, Hope had low self-esteem and struggled with that a little bit. Um, We even put her in counseling for anger issues um, that we knew was there, which I now realize that anger anger is usually a front for what's going on within the heart. Did not realize that at the time. But so she went to counseling for a little bit. The counselor moved out of state. um, And at that point, the counselor reassured me that she was healthy, mentally healthy, and if she didn't want to continue counseling, she thought she would be fine. 
that was at age 15 and at age 17, she was doing well, seemingly well. Um, she had, we had pulled her out of school um, at age 15. She might've been 16 at the time. Um, she asked us to pull her out of school because she felt very perplexed that she lived one world, you know, within one world at school and one world within the home and church. Um, school is, you know, as we all know, is getting darker and darker. And uh, so I pulled her out. She started doing online schooling, excelled at that. She, as a junior, she had everything but her senior English, but to graduate as a junior, straight A student, mm. worked almost 40 hours a week. And again, very involved with our youth group, was very social, not hunkered into her room all the time. So what follows, we had really no indication of. One particular day, all night, she came in from work and shared with us that she had a very scary event at work. She worked at a grocery store in the bakery and a gentleman was following her around and pursuing her. And she was very scared by that. They did an internal report within the grocery store, but you could tell it really made her nervous. And at that time, um, this was 2020, January 2020, and at that time there was a lot of news reports about a lot of the sex trafficking going on. Um, some even caught Highway 75 between Miss Michigan and Florida, which is straight down our path. So that night when she shared that, I just began to pray and intercede, and I felt like the Lord gave me my husband wisdom to call the grocery store the next day, just inform them if that gentleman comes back in, please call the police to, to not mess around with it. So the next day I did that, and I knew that it's, as a typical 17-year-old, she probably would not like the idea that mommy called the store that mm -hmm. I worked at. Mm -hmm. So we went to lunch every Wednesday, and that particular Wednesday, her daughter, her sister was home as well, um, which is just just had started her first semester of college. And we went to lunch; everything was fine. Um, in the car on the way home, or as we were sitting in the parking lot, I told Hope that I had called the store just because I wanted a peace of mind as a mother, and um, she blew up. Um, and said some some words, venting, I'm sure. Um, and we went home uh, the rest of the way, kind of in silence. She went up to her room. She logged into schoolwork. I went down to the basement because at the time, our first floor was total reconstruction. We had no flooring. We had no kitchen, no nothing. Mm -hmm. So my office was in the basement. And about 45 minutes later, she was gone. She had taken her own life in the bathroom and I had went to check up on her because I just felt bad about an argument wanted to kind of make amends there and tell her I loved her and the bathroom door was locked and so I had to walk into that so the the trauma my daughter my 18 year old daughter Faithina was home and she was studying to be a nurse um had already went through certifications so I screamed for her. She took over and I literally froze and I, I lost all sense. I mean, I literally wet myself. 
mm-hmm. and lost all sense of reality of this world. So I was in shock for many days. You know, nothing. I mean, I don't care how you lose your child. There's nothing that can prepare you um, for that loss. Um, but in this particular suicide um, brings a whole nother, a di- I wouldn't say another, a different level of grieving. Right. Uh, that people have to wrestle with. Um, the, we, we call it collateral damage. It just, um, it's years and years of battles of your emotional well-being um, to try to, um, to be able to live again and um, not feel such guilt and responsibility and shame for what had happened. Um, I think as parents, we're, we're, we feel this sense of responsibility that our child is safe, that our child feels joy, that our mm-hmm. child feels some sense of purpose of life. And when suddenly you're faced with the reality that your child felt none of that um, in that moment, at least, and decided their life wasn't worth living, that's a hard reality for any parent to swallow. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, I, I can't imagine, you know, and my, my heart goes out to anyone who loses a child by their own hand. And I think that's a fear that's just growing more and more in parents because we know it just takes that one, just that one moment, just that one time. I know you had your own family ministry. I think it was called Chosen Stones. So (laughs) I'm guessing that even added another layer of almost having it out with the Lord, you know, God, we're a family that teaches other families how to be a family spiritually, how to have spiritual family times together. And like you said, she was so involved in the church and the youth group. Now, you talked about the the PTSD and being in shock for so long. Were there tears for you? Did you spend a lot of time crying? Um, not in the beginning. It took me um, a while to really begin to break down through the trauma. In fact, I the, the night of, uh, they did take her to the hospital. She was already passed. Um, I do believe that was God's mercy because my husband was at home and had they called her death there in our home, it would have just made things a lot worse. And so they did take her to the hospital. Um, but I remember walking they gave me a few minutes. My husband didn't even make it to the hospital in time. And they gave me a few minutes to say my goodbyes um, before they took her off the, the heart pump. And I remember walking out of that room into the private waiting room where so much of our church family had already gathered and finding the first person to hold me and saying, why am I not crying? Why am I not crying? I literally walked in this, it was almost like a third dimension trauma for the first couple of days. Um, And then uh, by the, by the third day, we had to go back into our home in, and that again is another level. I mean, there was the level you talked about the family ministry. I, I remember after that, not well, that night in particular, we had to go back to our home and again, there was many family, church family members at the hospital and yet many more in our home already. And I wanted to burn every book that I had ever mm-hmm. written. 
mm-hmm. the children's ministry curriculum, I thought, one, I felt like a total hypocrite. Like all these years I had been teaching families how to grow and love in the Lord, how to raise your children for the Lord. And then, and then this happened, I felt like an incredible hypocrite. And then on that night, I didn't realize it, but on that night I began just to suffer with a little bit of anger towards the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, like how in the world could you let this happen when I had given my whole entire life to serving your families And then the other thing is just the home itself became a burial ground. It became a a place of trauma. It became a place of violence instead of comfort and a place Mm -hmm. of, you know, peace. And uh, so the night that we went and had to pick out her clothes for the funeral and her coffee that I had bought her that day was still on her desk Mm. was the first time that I had cried, which was Mm. three days later. And then that kind of started the process. I think that first cry just kind of started the process of me, a a long journey with the Lord. But it it took three days for me to even begin to feel anything. Mm -hmm. Now, how long has it been for you? You just hit a marker. Yeah, it's been three years, January 29th. Now, God spoke to you that he was inviting you to a place of trust which led you to learning about something that's been pretty powerful and it brought a needed measure of healing to your shattered heart. And that was learning about abandonment. You even call it a holy place. Now, some people may think that abandonment and surrender are the same thing, but they are not, are they? No, the Lord really did lead me on a journey of that toward probably six months in. I was listening and I probably could not repeat I'm not listening. I was reading um, a book, a very old book, in fact, that somebody had suggested to me of a um, woman that went through, I mean, it was written in the 1800s. And um, she had went through this season of abandonment with the Lord. And of course, in in that season, in the 1800s, there was persecution. She, She was over in England, Scotland area heavy persecution. So I began to dig in to that word with the Lord and began to discover that, you know, that I had truly surrendered, or at least I thought surrendered my children to the Lord. Um, We had dedicated all of them. We had spent, I was just uh, very grateful to be a stay-at-home mom. so So I spent hours praying and interceding for our children believing that God was going to use them for great purposes, surrendering to whatever he wanted to do in and through them. But I realized through this beginning journey of abandonment that God was calling me into a greater level of giving my children to the Lord. You know, it's when we surrender our children to the Lord, it's so easy when that reality is that we get to see them and love them and hug on them and enjoy life with them. But um, when that reality becomes, you know, that altar, you know, I, I, the Lord reminded me of the story of Abraham and Isaac. Yes. Um, That was imagery that it gave me and how, when Abraham took Isaac to the altar and surrendered him, surrendered him up to the father there as a ram in the thicket, 
Mm-hmm. He that got to keep was, his son. Yeah. 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 He got to keep his son. And for us, you, me, and many alike um, that have lost our children, there there was no ram in the thicket. The, the altar was for them. And so that was a very painful place of reality that um, I did not want to surrender my daughter Hope completely to the Lord. You know, we, we lay our children down at the altar thinking that there's going to be a ram in the thicket, but sometimes there isn't. And what does that mean? That means fully abandoning. That means fully um, giving up all rights to our children. No ifs and buts and consequence um, of circumstances or, you know, you do this and I'll do that. Isn't that interesting? Because sometimes we don't even realize that we live our lives bargaining with God. You know, if I do this, then that means you're going to do this. Almost like that gene in a lamp kind of thing. But when we truly make him Lord, we give up any rights we have to those kinds of things, don't we? Yeah, we do. And I think that even though her circumstances of death was a choice she made, which um, was not God's choice. Suicide is never the Lord's choice. Mm -hmm. And it was a choice of sin, no doubt. But at the end of the day, I had to realize that the moment she made her choice, the father made his. Mm -hmm. And so many times you hear of people trying to commit suicide and then not working out or getting saved. You know, somebody coming Mm -hmm. in last night, getting revived. And in our circumstance, there there was no there was nobody, there was mm-hmm. no safe. And we fully believe she's at home with the Lord yes. because we don't get that's another thing that parents that struggle with um, yes. suicide death to deal with. Um, because so many people believe that suicide brings that that person to hell immediately. But um, the reality is is that we're not saved because we're perfect. Mm-hmm. We're saved because we have accepted a savior that died on the cross for us. And we, by no question or doubt, know that she was saved. And yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, because, I, you know, people are even told because you can't repent of that sin. But the thing is, Christ already paid the price for the sins. Christ already paid the price. And if we received his gift of salvation, that sin was already bought and paid for. And so, that's right. yeah, it's, it's not, it, it's, you know, so if any of you listening have that fear, you know, fear definitely brings torment, especially when you're wondering if your child ended their own life, are they in heaven? I believe that moment, like you said, Christ made his decision also. And I'm sure he loved each of our children enough if they hadn't been walking with him to reach out in that moment as they crossed over and say, will you take me now? And met them and received them. I think that's so important. Our disappointments and our unmet expectations on God, what we think we thought we knew about God. Doesn't this change a lot of that? Because it's like, okay, God, if you're good, if you're faithful, why would you have let this happen? Kind of ties back to that whole thing. Yeah, that's a huge struggle. I mean, absolutely. I think that, um, and I think that goes for anybody that's lost a child through any sickness Mm -hmm. or disease. 
or anything, I think I can imagine that that would be a struggle across the board. Like, why would you let this happen? You know, I don't know that I have all the answers to right. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, none of us really probably do. And I used to think that I would have all those answers when I get to heaven. But at that point, I don't think it's even going to matter. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, um, but I do feel like that in, in my struggle with that, I realized that, you know, God, God is a sovereign and just God and he created um, humanity's choice for a reason. And unfortunately um, the first choice that was made in sin was Adam and Eve. And because of that choice, the, you know, the strain of humanity from then until now and forward has to live with those consequences one way or the other, mm-hmm. meaning sickness, meaning death. We were mm-hmm. never supposed to die. Right, right. And all kinds of battles, spiritual battles, demonic battles that were never supposed to be ours to begin with. You know, I, I don't know why. Sometimes it seems like he chooses to intervene in some and not others. Mm -hmm. But I do know this for, I can only speak of my personal experience. Hope was named Hope for a reason. She was a twin and we lost the twin in vitro. So she was saved and lived for 17 years. And I do believe that you're named with a purpose. Yes. And she was created, I declared over her constantly, that she would be hope to the hopeless and hope to the nations. And I believe that that was a promise and a purpose for her and promises and purposes for for us all are eternal. I can't, it, it even pains me to say this, but the truth is the truth that her life lived might have not brought as much hope as her life now. And Mm. that's a very harsh statement to say. And I know that it was never God's intention for her to kill herself. I would want her back in a heartbeat, Mm -hmm. but God uses all things. So whether our children live or die, he uses all for his glory. And so in her death, there has been more opportunities for her to be hope to the hopeless than I think she would ever had, had she lived. And so the enemy might've thought he took our children Mm. and them too soon, but God uses it all for his purposes. And so I have to settle with that, that, you know, God allowed this to happen, but he's going to use every bit of it, every aspect. every every mark of it for his glory and for his eternal purposes for our children that live you know yeah love love gives a choice love doesn't force and so when hope made that choice the lord allowed her to do that he he didn't kill her he didn't cause it he didn't and i know you don't think that one tiny bit and yet he knew even before hope was inside of you <laughs> as a as a seed that how many days she would have and he already knew the journey that you would be on now without her here on earth and this whole thing about abandonment 
the like the regrets and the whys you know we've been talking about i i don't know why um nothing makes sense in our finite brains the unknown future all of those things when we get to that point of just total abandonment god i don't get it but i know you are love itself and i know that you can somehow bring good from this and and in your case hope can still give hope to others would you say that through learning about abandonment to god and just being able to just throw this at his feet that your suffering has become a way to live with hope and being okay with learning how to live life without your daughter absolutely i think it was a key for me to be able to, I mean, there was days where I had to literally say out loud, I abandon my rights to hope. Mm. I have in my, my desire to have her here and not with you. There was days that I had to literally abandon my shame, my mm. guilt, Brett. I think one of the most powerful things the Lord said to me in this journey of abandonment. And I know it's helped many other parents who are on the same journey, especially through death of suicide, is that the father said, I I never called you to be a savior. I never called you to save your child Mm. or to keep them alive. I am the only savior. Mm. I'm the only one that can give life. And so that was my um, freedom to be able to abandon all of those parental burdens and weight that we have that kept me in shame and that kept me in regret. Um, I had abandoned my trauma to the Lord. Mm. That was extremely difficult to do. Um, You can't unsee something. Right. And um, when you see such a horrific, I mean, I, I remember my book writing that, I felt like I was looking at Satan himself Mm. when I opened the door and I saw what had happened and that torment, that trauma brought fear in my life. It brought an an inability to close my eyes and even sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to, I had to allow the Lord to take me to a place that, um, I abandoned what I saw in death so that he could give me what he saw in life. Ooh. Because say that again, that say that again. I, ab- I abandoned what I saw in death so he could give me what he saw in life. Mm. I, I, you know, I looked at the scene of death on my daughter, which is a scene that nobody ever wants to see upon their child. Right. And all I could see was, evil and Mm -hmm. fear and um, death and ugliness. And the Lord began to bring me into this place to remind me that when one of his children come home, it's quite the opposite, you know, on the other side. Yes. Yes. It's a celebration. What we're seeing in the natural is nothing compared to what the Lord was seeing. Yeah. So he began to shift my perspective and began to allow me, instead of seeing her in that ugly place of death, I began to see her held in the arms of Jesus. I began to see her through his perspective of life and eternal life. 
a huge abandonment for me, a huge place, because although raised to be a Christian all my life, I know the gospel story in and out. Um, we think we understand eternal life, but until we're faced mm-hmm. kind of death, we, we realize that we don't understand it at right. all. Mm-hmm. There is mm-hmm. so many questions and unanswered things and all of a sudden we want to understand it (laughs) yes Yes. Uh yeah now you just mentioned a book you have written a couple of books and one of them is on this topic of abandonment and then you've also put together a book based on your daughter hope's journal entries you want to talk about those a little bit Yeah, um, At the Cliffs of Abandonment is the book of basically how I walked through this this journey with the Lord, with Jesus. Um, And he took me, gave me a a very um, detailed um, vision where um, the the cover of the book is my daughter at the Grand Canyon, Mm. beautiful. And he gave me that same uh, picture in a vision. And just invited me on a journey to come close to the edge of the canyon. And I'm scared of heights. Mm-hmm. So I, the Lord knew that. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the book is really our story in light of Jesus's willingness to love us and heal us and um, bring us through this grief and this sorrow through a place of abandonment. So he invites us into these cliffs and every cliff was a struggle of abandonment that I had to let go. We've Mm. talked about many of them. Um, And as I let go of all the struggles and all the wrestling of my heart, the Lord allowed it to then become a place of worship. Then I was able to um, receive his love and healing freely without Mm. anything in between us. Mm. So that book is about our story and our journey of of healing. And then the other books, I wrote um, a book for specifically for teenagers because Hope had left behind um, 13 journals um, that are full of God's hope, full Mm. of scriptures, full of artwork. Um, There was only one particular page that ever identified or mentioned anything about suicide whatsoever in Mm. 13 journals wow she her words she was a writer and her words were just beautiful her artwork is beautiful and so this book for teenagers is she is co-authored as on Mm -hmm. this book and is her words um in her journals and i pray that it Um, There's nothing more powerful than to hear the testimony of a young lady that struggled with the same thing that so many may be struggling with. Um, One of the things that we believe um, we're called to do is to break the silence Hmm. um, of the struggles that um, young men and women have, um, especially within the body of Christ. Yes. Um, Silence is where the enemy has the most power. Yes. And so um, we're using our daughter's own testimony to realize that if she could come back, what would she say to her generation? Mm. And that's what the book is. Because now she sees in fullness all truth. And she sees all love. And I believe that this book is is, um, a manifestation of God's love and his truth 
for a generation of young men and women that are suffering in silence mm-hmm. and need help and need to find their purpose and identity in Christ. So that's what this book is about, which I'm, I'm so excited to have. I mean, what an honor to have so much of our daughter to be able to share and give and make a difference in somebody yeah. else's life. Yes. So. I'll put a link to both of those in the show notes for anyone who wants to check those out. If any of the listeners want to connect with you, Alicia, where would they go to do that? I'm chosenstones.org. And on that page, clearly on the front page, you can say, you can see that we have, there is hope initiative. And so we have many resources um, for any of um, anybody that is one struggling with suicidal thoughts or two on the other end of it is a parent Mm. that has struggled with a child that is suffering in this area or bereaved parent that is now, you know, suffering the loss of a child through suicide. So there's many resources to find there. And um, you can, there is a link that you can send me an email, but um, my email is info at chosenstones.org. You can reach out to me via email if you'd like. Okay. And any resources that we have that um, a parent or a teen would like and cannot afford, we certainly want to make sure we put them in their hands for free so they can reach out to me via email. Sounds good. Sounds good. Alicia, do you have any final thoughts to share with the listeners? Anything we haven't covered? Um, there's yeah, so much. A lot we haven't covered. That's a loaded yeah. one. <laughs> Narrow um, down to one final thought. <laughs> um, I, I just would um, say that I'm, I'm grateful for the Lord. I think that um, I can't imagine suffering through a loss of a child without Jesus yeah. beside me. He is our hope. And he is our purpose and our reason for life. You know, I can't, the, the day after when I woke up so, so, so empty um, of any purpose to live, I never imagined that I would be where I am today, three years later, like Mm -hmm. I would be living, would be full of joy. I'd be able to laugh. And so I, I just want to encourage maybe a reader I mean, a listener, that it does get better. And yes. God God is your lifeline. He is yes. your hope. And he is your healer. And he will be the very breath that you breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And he will become your life until you can learn to live again. Yeah. And it will get better. Yeah. Wasn't that good? I asked Alicia to close by praying over us, which I am saving for the very end. But let me say, you will want to make sure you stay put and get in on it because it's pretty powerful. No matter where you are in this journey, how your child died or how old they were, God has peace for you. As Alicia shared, God has the final responsibility for our children. And what was a horrible day for us was a wonderful day for him as he welcomed your child home. I know that we would rather have them here with us. I get it. I would rather have Becky here with me. But I think it's pretty safe to say that it was probably the best day ever in our children's lives. 
And that is something we can be very, very thankful for, even in the midst of our pain and missing them. I want to make sure you know that Dave and I will be in the Northeast section of the nation in July. I am a keynote speaker this year for Bereaved Parents USA, which is going to be in the DC area, along with being a workshop speaker. This is a national gathering that Dave and I enjoy being part of, and you might want to consider joining us in coming this year. I will put a link in the show notes to their website for the information. The weekend before, we are hosting a GPS Hope and Healing Retreat in Virginia. Now, it's highly likely, just like Oregon was probably the only retreat we'll ever have in that corner of the nation, this is probably the only one we're going to have in the Northeast. So if you're interested, be sure to check it out at gpshope.org retreat. We keep them small so they can be intimate. We can get to know each other, share our kids with each other. So check it out if you're interested and get in on this quickly. We would love to meet many of you at either one of these events. Let's go ahead to this week's birthday segment. Jeffrey Allison was born on February 14th and is forever 30. Haley Eastridge was born on February 14th and is forever 9. We celebrate the day these two came into the world as Valentine's Day babies. We know it will always be a bittersweet but a very special day for these families. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would be honored and blessed to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out the form, including the pronunciation, if your child's name is mispronounced once in a while, because I do want to say it correctly. Just submit that information, and Dave will send you an email that week to remind you to listen so you can hear your child's birthday shared with our listeners. Now, let's get back to Alicia. I said that I saved the prayer for last, and here it is. Get ready to receive a touch from God. Alicia, would you pray over our listeners, please, especially those who have dealt with the suicide issue and the regrets and the extra shame and the things that come with that? Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your love that is so vast and so wide and so immeasurable. Mm and how you poured out on those that are have suffered such loss, Lord. There's a special place that I, I believe those that have lost children have in you, to be inside of Christ. So Father, I just pray now with every listener that is suffering, I just pray that they find themselves inside of you, that they find themselves enveloped in your love, in your unconditional grace and mercy. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that wherever they are on this journey, that you're meeting them there and they feel you, they experience you. Father, I remember in the beginning how I couldn't cry and I was silent. I couldn't even speak. But you were right there in the middle of the silence, in the middle of what I seem like I felt like I should be able to cry and I couldn't cry. And you are right there and you were okay with that. Mm. You were okay with where I was in my grief. 
And Father, I know that you're okay with wherever the listeners are in their own grief, Father. And Lord, I pray that as they cry, you cry with them as Mm -hmm. they breathe, your oxygen that they are breathing in, Father. And Father, I just pray that you dig deep in with them. And Lord, I'm just reminded of the, the cup of suffering um, Father, that you that you gave me, Lord, that losing a child is a big gulp mm-hmm. <laughs> of your cup that no parent will ever want to imagine or experience. But Father, when you've allowed it, I believe that the greatest cup of suffering is when we invite you into that grief and that you begin to sup with us and drink yeah. with us. Other side of suffering is always resurrection. Yes. So Father, I just pray resurrection, power, and love for each one of the listeners. I pray, pray, Father, that as they walk through their grief, they will also walk through resurrection. I pray Mm. spirit of hope for them, a spirit of love, a spirit of life. And I pray, Father, that they would find joy each and every day, no matter How little it is, it could be one second, one moment, one hour, two hours, no matter how small Mm -hmm. it is, it would hide joy for each one of them because joy is our strength. So Father, I ask now in particular for those that are struggling in the place of guilt and shame, Lord, I just Mm -hmm. pray that you would take that yoke from their shoulders. Yes. You would take that weight. They were never meant to carry this place of guilt and shame. It was never theirs to carry. You carried it on the cross. You carried the guilt. You carried the shame. Father, and I just thank you for the work of the cross and each one of the listeners, Father, that you would help them by your grace and by your mercy, remove that yoke from their shoulders and lay it at the cross, lay it at the altar. You never meant for them to save their child. They were Mm -hmm. never called to save their child. Mm -hmm. They couldn't have loved them enough. They couldn't have done enough. Father, it's only you that can save. So Father, I just break off those lies. I break off the, the spirit of shame, the spirit of guilt, the lies the enemy puts on us to make us feel like we're not worth of God's love anymore mm. because we allowed this to happen. I break that off in Jesus' yes. name. Speak into your spirit that God, the Father, is proud of you. Mm. He is proud of you. You are his adored child. You are an incredible mother. You are an incredible father. You did enough. And I speak that into your very spirit and soul. Yes. Take that in as truth and walk in that and remind yourself of that daily until it becomes your truth. And Father, I just thank you now for your healing balm upon each person that the days will get better and the days will get brighter and that yes. we will never forget our children. They live in our forward. They live in front of us Mm -hmm. and they live with us each day, Father. And we thank you in all confidence that you have made a way for healing and you've made a way for us to see our children again. Yes. Glory in that day, Father, Mm -hmm. that there will be a day. We give you all the glory and all the honor Mm -hmm. in Jesus. Yes.
Amen. Well, thank you, Alicia, so much. Only God knew that we would have this second connection with each other several years later with our daughters enjoying heaven ahead of us. That's right. <laughs> Who, who'd have known right. they'd, have, they'd have beat us there. So, yeah, I was reminding Isabella when I told her that I was going to have this with you today. I said, do you remember, Laura? I said, I because she went with me to North Dakota on that okay. trip where you spoke in that oh, workshop. Okay. All right. So I reminded her about that. And she uh-huh. said, yeah, I do remember her. And I was thinking the same thing. Like, how would I have known mm. listening to you that day that I would yeah. be in the very place you were? Yeah. But God knew. Yeah. So I'm yep. thankful. Amen. Well, you're a precious friend. Thank you for coming on and sharing your heart with us. And we'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you, Laura. Uh-huh. And hopefully a lot of our listeners will connect with you. Yes. And with that, as always, I encourage you to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.